Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A visually stunning chronicle of what it's like to live in Antarctica for a full year, including never-before-seen deep Antarctica winter, completely isolated from the rest of the world while enduring months of unending darkness in the coldest place on earth. This is a, it is truly a visually stunning film. Uh, The film is called Antarctica, A Year on Ice, and the director uh, of this wonderful documentary is Anthony Powell, and he joins us today from Antarctica. I am, believe me, I'm stunned beyond words here. I'm almost speechless, Anthony, that we got a hold of you and 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 the ability. And looking forward to our conversation. How are you today, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, doing good. Thanks. Yeah, very, very good. So, uh, yes, let, we're, yes, we're, um, yes, a beautiful day here today. It's um, currently sitting on about 20 Fahrenheit. Um, nice summer's day. Nice summer's day. We're almost at the actual beginning. Am I correct? Uh, December twenty first would be your first day of summer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh yeah. So well, yes. I guess it's we don't. Yeah. Well, typically it would be, but, um, but I guess we we don't really think in terms of four <laughs> seasons here so much. More just summer and winter, just because of we have the such the long period of twenty four hour sunlight for four months, and then we have the. The four months in the winter was uh, no sun at all at this latitude. Yeah. So right now it, it is sunny all the time. Yeah, so the sun's up 24 hours a day. It has been since um, about the third week of October, and it uh, won't set until close to the end of February. Well, I have a two-part question for you. Um, one is that um, what was... Tell our listeners sort of your journey to Antarctica, what what brought you there. And then at one point during your time there, uh, did you decide that you that a documentary, documenting the time you're there, uh, became something that you really wanted to pursue? Yeah, um, I was working for... Uh uh, the telephone company in New Zealand, uh, which was owned by the government, just Telecom New Zealand, as a communications tech, and there was a job posting that came up internally to come down to Scott Base for uh, just to maintain the phones and the radios and the satellite link and all the communications gear here for um, a 12-month contract and. Um, at the time, you know, I'd, I'd always been really fascinated with Antarctica and, um, you know, I was pretty keen to check it out, but the idea of being stuck here for a whole year and um, no way out for six months, um, you know, I was, I was pretty keen on just going down for the summertime and having a look around, but, yeah, the idea of actually being stuck for a whole year is, was a bit daunting, but um, it was I pretty much knew it was the only chance I'd really have of getting here on my own, so... Um, I thought, you know, what the hell, I'll go for it, and so I ended up getting the job, but uh, I was really surprised that I actually ended up uh, enjoying the winters a lot more than I did the summertime. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely um, not what I expected. 
And then um, in terms of documenting things, uh, you know, I'd always been in photography, but I've never been a professional filmmaker prior to this and um, was just kind of such a different experience and it was just so hard to put into words trying to convey the experience or even you take photos and show people and they'd be going oh yes that's nice but it, you know it just never really conveyed it that well yeah. and then it was around about 2003 when uh, digital technology got to the point where you could take a still photo that would hold up on movie screens and you know i'd always been interested in time lapse as an art form and at that point it actually became affordable for basically anyone to do it if they could um, figure out how to uh, there were no commercially available products so i had to design timer circuits and things myself to uh, control the cameras initially and um but there was just something about the way that it sort of brought things to life you know in a way that um you know, sort of more closely uh, revealed what you were feeling when you were looking at a scene. So at that point, I started to document a lot of things in time-lapse photography. And um, even today, it's still in the deep of winter. It's the only way that you can actually document things in the dark. They're starting to get one or two cameras that are getting close to being able to um, show realistic nighttime Im images now, but um, mm -hmm. there's also the practical side of it, just um, when you're in darkness for four months, you know, it's the only way you can really bring out what the human eye can see in terms of the stars and the auroras down here in the winter. So it took me probably another six or seven years before um, I finally had everything thoroughly worked out and broken lots of cameras along the way and um, came up with lots of other camera control systems and mm -hmm. before I finally felt that I had the, the visual side of things covered and then just the last couple of years I've concentrated more on the people story and telling mm -hmm. the story to go along with the images. I think that's an important part and we'll get to that in a minute but you it isn't just the uh, topography and the weather and the you know, the circumstances. It's it is uh, uh, much of uh, uh, Antarctica. Antarctica, a year on ice, is about the people and and their backstories and why they're there. But uh, it's such a visually compelling and I, that time lapse using time lapse uh, really does work out for telling the story because in in some ways time moves very slowly there because of you as you said. There's really just basically two seasons and in, and and so time moves very very slowly at least the the feel mm -hmm. of time must feel at like that and uh um mm -hmm. well um I, while we're on the subject of you sort of the the technical side of it i mean you, at the beginning of the film we see you working on some of the uh, the the camera equipment and such that you used um, this is film school, after all, so some of our film students and, and people interested in making movies. Um, tell us what kind of cameras you were initially working with, and then what are you using currently? Well, what, what are you working with now? Uh, yes. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I pretty much work with anything that'll do the job, really. Um, um, probably the majority of the film was um, shot on DSLRs, um, like the likes of the Canon 5D2. Um, 
it's uh, but it's uh, you know it's as they say the best camera is the one you have have on you at the time yeah. so there are you know quite a few shots where um um, there was some like old old um, handycam footage that I actually included in the film that I hadn't um, considered initially because um, the picture quality wasn't there. So, but there's probably seven or eight shots in the film that are actually old, fairly grainy sort of footage. Um, but uh, you know, my editor absolutely loved them because they helped to tell the story. Yeah, so we yeah. agreed to put them in there. So, of course, the the story was more important than the quality of the actual image, as they always say. Um, but yeah, the the majority of the time lapse was um, yeah, Canon DSLRs, and as always, uh, shooting them at full resolution, raw photos. Yeah. Um, so, wow. it, it, you know, there's massive amounts of hard drives involved in yeah. just uh, storing all the images. Yeah, you must have been chewing yeah. up some uh, some uh, hard drives in the process. That, that raw is, yeah, that's a big format to be shooting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks just for our listeners, uh, uh, Antarctica Year on Ice is just spectacular. It uh, the the imagery, uh, the look of it, those DSLRs just definitely hold up really well in what looks to be extreme extreme conditions uh it it looks great it's just a fantastic look. were you able to clean up some of the old footage with some i know software today there you're you're able to go in and 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 kind of fix up some of those did that help with that image yeah yeah um definitely helped a little bit because um yeah there's i think there's about five yeah as i said five five or six shots where um they're actually old h d v footage or even standard d v uh where we've blown it up a bit and yeah. you know we we've sort of taken the the edge off them in terms of um graininess but um we haven't gone too overboard um yeah. because we're not trying to hide the facts within the story that these are older shots because, um, yeah. you know, they actually help with the story a little bit as well, showing that it has been done over time. So, um, yeah. you know, they definitely have their place in there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was, was, was a tricky one for me to judge as to whether or not to include them, but um, yeah, my editor convinced me to um, stick in there. Well, that that's why you hire these guys. There is this Simon Price, the yeah. the, the, the guy. Uh, he did a fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah, he did a great job. Simon Price, give him a a, a, yeah. a, a credit for yeah. for his work. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to remind our listeners yeah. that we're speaking with Anthony Powell. He is the uh, director, producer, cinematographer, and writer for this wonderful documentary called Antarctica: A Year on Ice, and it is opening as I speak on uh, November twenty eighth here in. California and Southern California. It'll be opening at the New Art Theater tonight, uh, and uh, I would urge you to get out and see it on a big screen, because as spectacular as it is on a gigantic iMac, I can only imagine the thrill of seeing it in a big theater. Um, let, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the actual sort of physical makeup. of. There's a number of bases. I, for people who don't really know kind of the parameters of Antarctica, the size, there are, and, there, and talk to us a little bit about the, there's a number of bases there. You were stationed at the big one, the United States uh, base. Is it McMurto or McMurtock? I'm sorry. I've, Mc, uh, McMurdo. McMurdo, pardon me. So uh, tell us yep. a little bit about, I mean, the Antarctica, about the size of the United States. Am I 
correct in that about yeah it's actually um larger than the united states uh you know including alaska um yeah so uh, most people don't realize just how how massive it is and over the winter there's uh, about 30 bases on the entire continent that are active there's more that uh have people in them during the summer season when there's when it's warmer and a lot of the research is going on so what what typically happens is that um the summer period from october through to february is when all the scientists come down and do their research when we've got the warmer temperatures and the sunlight um so things are actually manageable and then uh towards mid-February onwards, uh, they all disappear, and just the skeleton crew is left behind to look after the bases, and we basically sit here and maintain all the equipment, repair everything that got uh, broken over the previous summer, and make sure it's all ready to go for the following summer season when they all come back again. So um, a lot of people don't realize that uh, the actual majority of people that come down here are just everyday workers. Um, you know, there's a huge infrastructure required to um, put everything in place so the scientists can actually do their research. Yeah, that's one of the things I found so fascinating is winter, you're not, you know, balled up in front of the ca- in front of the fire. You are working and, and in, in conditions in these big warehouses where a lot of this material is stored uh Un, that's not insulated, and and it, and from the film, it looks like there's a lot of work going on in that in that off time in the uh, in the in the winter months. So um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, for you know, all the all the bases are slightly different, but yeah, there's um, like for here at McMurdo and at Scott Base, which is the New Zealand base. Um, all all our supplies, well, the bulk of them all come down once a year on a supply ship, and then a big part of the winter tasking is just unpackaging all that and sorting it, putting it on shelves, and uh, that's how the bulk of the food gets here and uh, all the parts and materials. So during the summertime, we've got a plane that will come in once every couple of weeks bringing people and the occasional bit of fresh fruit and vegetable and mail. But um, yeah, during the winter, it's just what we've got here and um, sorting it all out, getting ready for the following summer. Now, before we talk about some of the, the people that populate uh, Antarctica uh, a year on ice, I wanted to ask you, when you, were, you came down, I, I assume initially you came down during the summer months, and it, did someone? Is that am I correct in this, that assumption? When you first yep, when you arrived, that's right. Um, did was there someone that sort of talked to you into uh, you know the experience of the talk about the experience of living through the winter? Was what was it that sort of you when you decided you know what I'm going to stay? What, and what went into that? Or who who was it? If it, if it was one particular person or a number of different people, what was sort of the your process in in making that decision to stay in through the winter? Um, I think it was yeah talking to the other people who were um, doing the job that I was going into um, about you know um, coming down and doing the job, um, just having a chat with them on the phone and picking their brains to see what they thought of it all and um yeah it uh, was was pretty much um you know a full full commitment was required from the outset um it wasn't 
so much of come for the summer then stay on through the winter it was pretty much all or nothing so um yeah it was definitely um a choice that was made with uh, some trepidation and and as you said a, a little bit earlier, uh, the people who do stay there in the winter, surprising to someone, <laughs> I'm speaking to you from sunny Southern California, and we basically have two seasons, well, a little bit of rain and then sunshine <laughs> the rest of the time. But So uh, it, it's, it's hard to even begin to relate to the idea of the sun going away for the period of time that you're talking about. But is what is so fascinating about your film, Antarctica, You're on Ice, is that people, as you said, really begin to appreciate not just appreciate the this the winter months but actually in some ways look forward to that four months of where the sun isn't out it, it, what is that like <clears throat> for someone you know sunny southern california surfer boy guy how do you describe that to somebody when when they're tell, when you're talking about it what is it like yeah it's, it's it's yeah. That's that's as I say. It's such such one of those such a hard thing to really put into words, um, which which of course was a big motivation for making the film. But yeah, um, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's 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 surprisingly. Um, I know I've, I've definitely noticed a couple of people um, who really don't have a a good time here. It's like there's been a couple of times we've had uh, medical emergencies during the winter mm. and they've managed to get a plane and and you know there's been three or three or four other people quit their jobs and get on the plane and take the opportunity to, to get out of there yeah. but um for most people it's um in some ways it, it's a bit like living in a monastery you you're you're reduced to just the basics um no cell phones um you're you're forced to sort of interact with people around you you're um you know it becomes a very communal existence um yeah. you know like uh, back to back to basics and um yeah it's it's great in many ways because um you know, you're you're forced to interact, and um, <laughs> you you really start to appreciate the little things in life once once again. And you know, you're away from uh, the constant bombarding of advertising and um, yeah. media around you. You, it's basically a natural environment, um, apart from the base itself where you are. Yeah. Everything around you is basically pristine, natural environment, and yeah. there's and there's something very soothing about it i guess yeah uh and that comes across in the film uh, uh, quite a bit and what you're talking about you're touching on something that that does come through in antarctica you're on ice and that is the camaraderie uh the people that do stay around and this you do have a strong sense that they are really bonded together they care about each other um obviously some people care about each other quite a bit uh you actually had quite a a life-changing uh, uh relationship while you've been down there uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about uh how um, that changed your life yeah um well I, my first three years here i was working at new zealand's uh, scott base in just uh, it's about two and a half miles away over the hill from McMurdo Station, uh, which is the American base. And I met and married a young lass from Orange County, California <laughs> there. Um, so, yeah, we, we met down here and got married here. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's, uh, we both then after after we got married, I spent the following uh, ten years or so then uh, working at McMurdo Station together with her. Oh, it's yeah, it's a wonderful part of the story. She's terrific, and so many people in the film, and I don't have a list of of all of their names, but the. Uh, uh, there's just so many uh, very uh, revealing interviews with these people, and, and it's all walks of life, people from across the spectrum of uh, of life who uh, who really have found uh, have found a great um, deal of connection um, to to Antarctica. The uh, and that that's just I again one of the beautiful things about film, and certainly with documentary films, is they take you to places that you don't get a chance to see in 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 real time and to to get your film does a great job of conveying that sense of what it's like um are there things about antarctica that are have changed are you seeing things there or there are you, is it is there a is there a consistency to life there or are you seeing things in the changing in the environment uh, um since you've been down there yeah there's there's definitely um been a few changes um that um you know you can see from um well from a political point of view it's um become a, a lot more of a hot potato so to speak um you know people are having to be a lot more aware and careful about what they say because it's you know the whole climate change um political side of things there um because it's so easy to have things misconstrued but um in terms of actual climate change um it's it's surprising um how how many people there are around who um still don't believe it then the the basics of it is is that there's more evidence now for climate change than than there is that smoking causes lung cancer um but I like to use the analogy that it's kind of like about what it was in the the late 1960s with smoking. Um, You know, the cigarette companies are still trying to push it out that it's okay to do, but um, all the the doctors actually know it's really bad for you. Um, But we're, we're definitely seeing some massive changes down here. Well, not so much in the area where we are, but... Um, like the West Antarctic Ice Shelf is going through massive changes right now. And um, then, you know, like we're seeing uh, changes in the biology, like penguin species that have only lived a lot further north are uh, migrating further and further south and uh, displacing others. So, yeah, there's quite a bit going on. And is this uh, research, uh, I mean... are 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 you? I don't know if you have a sense. Are people? Um, I don't know if I want to get into the politics of all this. I, I just I, that's what I got. I I know. I, I mean, I appreciate it because I saw what was going on in the film. I saw, you know, there's a number of uh, shots uh, and scenes in the film that um, you didn't say it out loud, but it certainly was imp- strongly implied that the that the environment there was changing and the result of yeah. climate change. So. I just wanted to get that out yeah. there, and uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah. You mentioned. I, it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I sort of stayed away from that in the film because it's it's more the film is more about the people and what it's like to right. live there, and um, you know, I, yeah, I just, I just want to leave the idea there just to start a conversation, just um, and just show show what it, what it's like, sort of thing. 
Well, and it is, and and uh, well, let's uh, and I'm glad you did because I think this is uh, mm. this is an in- inescapable uh, a fact that we're we're at some point going to have to get serious about, and uh, it's good it's good even within the context of of this film that you, that this is uh, a part of it. So I'm I'm glad you did, and mm-hmm. um, I, I I would be remiss if I did not uh, convey to my audience. Just the absolute spectacular footage. Uh, I'll just go to. Uh, is it the Aurora? Aurora? What is it? I can't say. Aurora, what's it's the, the, it's the Aurora Australis, which is okay. the equivalent of the Aurora Borealis. So Thank you. we have the Northern Lights up in Canada, Alaska, and we have the Southern Lights down here. Yeah, it is amazing footage. I don't. I've never seen anything quite like it. And uh, it is a spectacular show, a uh, natural show, if you will. Uh, who's the uh, Asian woman who talked about her reaction? What was her name? Uh, that's Carrie. Carrie's wonderful. I loved her yeah. comments throughout yeah. the film. I thought she was absolutely terrific. I thought the part of her craving avocado and just, you know, these funny, mm-hmm. the, the simple things that you and I kind of wouldn't think about and unless we were in that situation but but her reaction to to the natural light show that went on it and that's again that that footage if for no other reason and there are many but no other reason see uh antarctica you're on ice for just this unbelievable uh show of nature the aurora say it again aurora the aurora australis <laughs> australis okay Okay, yeah. I, sh- I should have studied up on that one before I asked you about it, but uh, <laughs> but it is spectacular. It's yeah, so there's, much. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of reviews that call them the the Northern Lights, despite the being set in Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we're still, we're all still learning a little bit about Antarctica. So, uh, the, mm-hmm. but uh, I really want to thank you so much for first of all, I'm calling you at an probably ungodly hour early in the morning. I really appreciate you taking. The time to get out of out of bed to be a part of film school, and I want to again let our listeners know that it's opening tonight at the New Art Theater up in Los Angeles. That's right off the 405 and in, in Santa Monica Boulevard. It's a great place. the The people there are film nuts. They love the the work, and uh, and no reason not to uh, be just as enthusiastic about your film. Um, and I um, thank you again for your work. And are you are you going to stay through this coming winter, uh, Anthony Powell? Are you going to stay? Uh, no, I'm here for two months uh, this summer. I'm actually uh, filming full time now, rather than working as a communications tech. Um, so um, the main thing I'm concentrating on is just doing a whole lot of uh, five minute mini documentaries that I'll be putting out online for free. Where can people uh, look for those when they're out? Uh, they'll eventually be um, popped out on um, on Vimeo or YouTube, but uh, frozen uh, frozen south dot com. Frozen south dot com, is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's the one. Frozen south dot com. Okay. Well, again, uh, the the film is uh, Antarctica: A Year on Ice. The the writer, director, producer, cinematographer, uh, extraordinary film. Um, Anthony Powell, thank you so much for being on Film School. Uh, thank you.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.